Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Voided Transmissions. I'm your host, Jason Brazier, and today I have a guest that I've been wanting to speak to for quite a while. Listen to his podcast, the Friendly Atheist Podcast, and Hemet Meta is here. And Hemet, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it, man. Sure. Thanks, Jason. So there's so many things that I could talk to you about, but like I said, we're, we're going to try and just narrow it down to something that's a big, big, I would say maybe a, um, well, I would say a problem <laughs> that's happening right now. Yeah. And that is, yeah, I see it daily now, and that's this Christian nationalist movement. But but as we get ready mm-hmm. to dive into this, let's, if people don't know who you are, I should have started with that. Let's talk a little, let's tell us a little bit about yourself and what your podcast is about. Sure. Yeah. Um. So for, I don't know, like 15 plus years now, I've been writing about religion and politics uh, at friendlyatheist.com. I got into that in a long story sort of way, but I've been covering the subject and kind of the world of atheism for a really long time. Since 20, I think 14, uh, my friend Jessica and I started doing a podcast. It was interviews for a while, and then it became a Let's discuss what's happening in the news over the course of a week. That's kind of what we do now. It's it's a series of discussions about atheism-related topics mm-hmm. uh, in the news. So I, I don't know. I Between the blog and the podcast, I do YouTube stuff too. Uh, if people come across any of the stuff I do, it's usually through one of those areas these days. Yeah. And, um, and I enjoy talking about it because I'm really passionate about this the subject well that's great because i uh I, I came across your podcast as i've been a deconstructioning sorry if i could say that right deconstructioning uh yeah christian for a few years now and right when i think i've finally gotten to a good point i see these little things that pop up in my head i'm like no no i don't need to be thinking about that what why would i think that and it's just uh-huh. you know so i still got a little ways to go on some of that and I just been studying a lot of different things. I came across your guys's podcast, and um, I enjoy hearing what your your guys's perspective on uh, topics, and even topics that you bring up that I hadn't heard about yet. And uh, which is great, all, which means yeah. I'm doing my job right. Like yes, if yeah. I'm talking about something you haven't heard covered to death, I mean that's good because yeah, sometimes absolutely. there are big stories that get no coverage. Exactly. Well, and just like this, and, and Christian nationalism, like. <sighs> That term has only come in. Well, I shouldn't say that. I've only heard it in the last couple of years, but it, mm-hmm. that term was actually um, coined by a guy named Gerald L. K. Smith back in the '40s or '50s, I think. And he's the guy that founded the. You Christ might be right of, about that. Yeah, he was the founder of the Christ of the Ozarks and the Great Passion play in Arkansas. Uh-huh. And um, there's a great um, audio piece that. Uh, Rachel Maddow found on him and when she was doing some stuff on Christian nationalism. And it is exactly the talking points that are happening today. So with Christian nationalism, I just want to get your thoughts on this. Where did we go wrong? Because used to Christianity didn't seem to be, I hate to use this term, too bad, but now it's kind of become this really far. No, it's not everybody. I'm not saying it's everybody, but there's just this far right extremist 
mindset that's really bubbled up within the last maybe eight years or so. Uh, what are your ha- yeah. what do we, where do we go wrong on that? Where did that all happen? Do you the, think the phrase Christian nationalism may be relatively new for a lot of people, even if it's been around for a while, but the idea behind it is not new. Um, like I'm 40, and I think for about half my life now, at least since I've been a voting age, I mean, the thing the Republican Party has realized is that their strongest constituency lies in right-wing churches. Maybe that's white evangelical churches, Southern Baptist churches, to some extent, Catholic churches, but not as much. And so those two worlds have really intertwined. They both need each other for survival. And speaking from a religious perspective here, I mean, for a long time, Christians thought that if we can duplicate, replicate the secular world, like, oh, don't listen to this music. Don't watch this TV show. We'll offer you a Christian alternative to it that is filtered and censored in the right ways oh, in their man. mindset. And there are so many terrible okay. ones, too. <laughs> so many. Um, but the thing is, like, and we, the people on the other side of that, myself included, I mean, we've made fun of that forever because mm-hmm. usually it is pretty cringeworthy. The quality is never there. Yeah. Um, however, however, it, whatever they thought they could do with it, it didn't work. Whatever reach they thought they would have with the younger generation, it never caught on. And part of that is because they had this entry into politics. So they started taking on not issues relating to the gospel, but issues where they're like, you know what our big issue is? The big problem is it's gay people. And even a lot of young Christians are like, well, I know gay people and everything I'm hearing about them in church is just factually untrue. Whatever we think about sin, it's just untrue. And then when they say that stuff like uh, abortion is always wrong all the time, it's like, well, I know someone who's gotten an abortion and it wasn't something they took lightly. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a form of birth control. It was something for whatever reason they need. I mean, when you start realizing even among churchgoers that this stuff isn't true, it's like, okay, there's something wrong with this. When they start promoting Donald Trump, for example, who is someone who's, whatever you think about the politics and policy, everything about the dude is so in contrast to what the church has been telling you to follow for all this time. It's the hypocrisy that people like me have been pointing out forever has been, has caught on. And so to go back to your question, it's not that Christian nationalism is new. These ideas have been around for a really long time. And I think the biggest problem for the church right now is that they can't seem to break, nothing has worked for them to bring new people into the fold And people are leaving the churches over and over. And I think they realized we're not winning on the culture wars. We're not winning the cultural wars. We're not winning the hearts and minds of people. If we want to have any power at all, it's going to come through politics and policy. Yeah. And they've gone all in on saying, well, if we can't change your mind, let's pass laws to force you to do what we want you to do. So that's what you're seeing right now, like a backlash that is overreaching. Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head, too, because it's kind of like the old adage I always heard that um, after David Duke ran and was doing his stuff down south, the Ku Klux Klan start, stopped wearing hoods and they put suits and ties on and went to college. And sure, sure, I think sure. and so do you see and I, I can kind of see this with some of, of these extremist preachers that you that you've definitely pointed out in your show as well. 
that I've caught on YouTube with some of the stuff they're saying. Like, what is it? I and I, it's like part of me knows the answer, but I'm not. It's just such, it's so weird to me. Like, there's this big push right now, and there's a book out about it. I don't know if you've seen it, but a guy wrote a book called Donald Trump, the Son of Man, or something like that, and it was being passed <laughs> at. I look. It's on. It's it's a real book. It's on Amazon. You should look it at up. But this guy literally, they, they there's they, they've started this whole movement of people that believe that he's like the second coming of Christ or something. And the, to me, it's it it baffles me because if you actually look at the text of Jesus and who he was, none of the stuff that Jesus did lines up with what is being these people are the people who oh, are. Yeah. Preaching it, it it, it throws yeah. me off, and then people, but they always go with the simple answer. Well, nobody's perfect. And I'm like, that's that's right. too, that, that's, <laughs> but but to me, that's too easy. And I think right. that I mean that's is, an easy way. You could justify anything using that language. Yeah, it, like it, but there the, are all sorts of horrible people you could defend. And the thing is, yeah, you could easily say. I mean, just I, I think it would be easy for a lot of these preachers to say, look. I hate Trump. Everything he does is the antithesis of what I want people in my church to, to lead. Um, I admit he's horrible in every single way. I don't want to vote for him, but sorry, I hate whatever the policy. I mean, if they would just be honest about that, maybe, maybe, maybe. they would like, yeah. win. maybe they would lose the hypocrisy thing. Um, yeah. And, and they would have a different conversation, but a lot of them don't do that. A lot of them are like, yeah, he's flawed, but he's our guy or he's flawed and he's doing, you know, this and that. They keep trying to defend him. And you're right. Yeah. In some cases, they go above and beyond that where they're like, yep, he's the second coming. He's he's pretty yeah, much our uh, Lord and Savior now. Well, it's and wild. It is. Well, yeah. And that's even putting it lightly. It's just like I don't understand because like there's just was a paradigm shift because even when I was a young kid. And people were saying, you need trying to tell, well, you need to vote this way and this way. I, I would always question things. And they were always like, oh, it's okay to question. But then when I would question, yeah. they were like, no, no, you can't, you can't question God. Well, you just, just I'm have not, faith. I, yeah. yeah, I want to, I, I, I want to know these questions and why you're saying this and that. Cause going back to the whole gay thing, I came from a small town that, you know, we were taught that being gay was wrong. And, Right. Year, years later, I was in college and I had a friend. We had, I had a friend in college and we hung out at the bookstore all the time because we were always working the same shift. And one day he stopped talking to me for a while. I didn't know what had happened. Well, I come to find out that he had moved in with his partner. And uh -huh. I, I had given no impression of where I of what I had been taught, but he knew where I was from and that where that area was. And he was afraid of yeah. losing me as a friend. And I will tell you to this day, that's still affects me because i had never had that happen and it, it it hurt me that somebody would think that of me and somebody i would been, been close to and, and keep in mind i'm tell me yeah. if i'm wrong i'm sure the church the community you grew up in made it very clear to believers that like no no no, we don't hate them we love them we hate the sin they hate the sin it's all yeah. that language yeah. yeah and the thing is everyone who is gay certainly allies we all see through the language. We know what that actually looks like in practice. We mm -hmm. see what conservative Christians are doing yeah. with the law. And it's like, okay, none of this is loving in any sort of way. Um, it is active hate. It is actively trying to make their lives worse. I'm not saying you were doing no, this. Oh, no, 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 I don't. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we. the thing is, whatever 
rhetoric they thought they could get away with in those churches, it didn't work because everyone knows how their playbook works. Yeah. And the thing that uh, I really hope people understand is like the Christian nationalist stuff we're talking about. It is not a one-off thing. We're not talking about one state legislator doing something that we think is insane. It is, I mean, there was a literal playbook with draft legislation with a play with a strategy guide that basically said, look, it's going to be hard to get stuff passed in Congress, but at the state level in certain places, not only yeah. can you get stuff passed, yeah. but you could do minor things such as let's have a moment of silence in school. Let's get in God we trust as the national motto up in school. Because if we can lay those foundations, it's yeah. a lot easier to say like decades down the line, hey, this is tradition. You got to let this yeah. stuff slide. Yeah, And this is part of a long-term plan that they have going. And it, it's working because mm -hmm. the courts have allowed them to get away with it. Yeah. Well, and that sort of, it's kind of like they're playing, they've been playing political chess and just slowly moving little bitty pieces here and there to do things. Yeah. And even whenever I was in high school, there was a gal who you people would call her goth. She was a goth kid or whatever, but mm. she was a really great artist. And I would always go out of my way to say hi to her because some people just treated her like crap. And I was like, yeah, she's a person. Just be nice to her. But I remember one day she asked me, she goes, why are you being nice to, to me? And I looked at her shocked yeah. by that. And I was like, why wouldn't I be? And she yeah. was just, and her name was Joni Durfee. And if I ever, if she ever hears this, Joni, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> but she, she was fantastic. And people just treated, I got tired of seeing people like get treated like that. And I still, now I'm seeing it on a bigger level. Yeah. Well, and if you question it, it, what bugs me is like, well, how does that benefit everybody? Cause isn't this supposed to be for everybody, you know, when it comes to politics? It turns out a lot of people. A lot of people who go to those churches are a lot better humans than the people who are leading those churches. And the and I think they see through it. And ultimately, this yeah. is a shift on my end, which is I used to be one of those people who really wanted other people to become atheists. Mm -hmm. um, and I genuinely do not care at all about yeah. that these days. I don't do debates. I don't care if yeah. someone's an atheist, because I think to me, the thing is, I just want more christians to realize what these issues are and look at the end of the day if you still believe in god whatever we could debate that on yeah. on someone else's time <laughs> yeah. um i just i wish more christians would do what you've done which is just think through some of this stuff and yeah. well, realize yeah. that you know what our churches the stuff i grew up believing was good is yeah. actually a force of harm maybe one of the strongest forces of I, harm that we have in our country these days. I always kind of saw it as a a really back ass backwards way of manipulation. If you can make somebody believe something, even if it's a good thing, yeah. but then you slow, slightly just twist little bitty things, they will follow. And there were just yeah. times that I would see certain things like, to me, well, we're going to go build these houses for these people, the homeless or whatever. Yeah. That's great. But I feel like we're only just putting a band-aid on a bigger problem. Could we right. do this or this? And they'd be like, well, why would we want to do this? This is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, 
to me, now we're kind of getting into vanity a little bit and saying, look what we've done. And I don't feel like that's what we need to be doing. We need to be fixing the bigger problem and not the smaller problem. And I would just get told, Jason, shut up. <laughs> you know. And <laughs> it's it, it was always infuriating. And my wife and I, you know, um, she, even when she was becoming a, a school counselor, when she was going to Missouri State University, which has a really great counseling program. And yeah. we were at a church at that time, and this lady asked her, oh, my, I'm, a, I'm a counselor, too. Where are you going to school at? And Amber said Missouri State. And this lady's face, which was full of joy, suddenly just, why are you going there? And Amber's like, they have a yeah. really one of the best in the state. And she was she had went to Evangel, which I know many people that have went to Evangel, so this is not a knock on them. I'm just saying what she said. But she was like, why would you go to a secular school? Why why wouldn't you go to someplace like Evangel? Uh-huh. And my wife was like, I wanted to go to Missouri State. And she just argued with my wife. And I could just see the wheels in my wife's head just turning and being like, oh, my God, this is so weird. And then the lady asked, well, what are you going to do if a kid's gay? And my wife looked at her mm-hmm. and said, well, I'm going to help them but they're if they're coming to me they're not coming to me because they're gay they're probably coming to me for other reasons be like being bullied about being that way and things like that and then somewhere in the conversation we just left the lady but that was it's yeah it's (laughs) just it's just a shocking like wake-up calls when we you know we call that with some of one of our wake-up calls years ago but this paradigm shift has just when trump took office it really obviously you know, <laughs> accelerated. I think that just made it so obvious what was going on. It's not yeah. that it was new. It's the same criticism uh, critics of the church have levied against it for a really long yeah, time. Yeah. But with someone like Trump, it's like, yeah, see, everything we've been saying about you has been accurate. And like, you can't hide it anymore because Trump doesn't let anything hide, right? I, I, I agree, so- yeah. <laughs> but... The denial. So it it didn't start with Trump. It didn't start with Trump, right? It went back a while. It just opened up the gate because you had he was doing it, you know. And yeah, I mean, when George W. Bush did it, it's like you could phrase it as like, "I'm just a compassionate conservative. I'm wearing my faith on my sleeve." It's like, no, it's also bad and it's also harmful. But it's a little harder to pinpoint. Whereas with Trump, it's like there's the hypocrisy. Everyone sees it. Yeah, and but the the big thing that happened with his presidency was the denial of reality. Mm-hmm. Like we, well, you said this. No, I didn't. We we literally have you on tape <laughs> yesterday saying I have it. the clip right here. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is not all oh, that. Oh, that's fake. No, how is it fake? <laughs> you know. And yeah. then you had all these people jumping on board, but and, and it's just mm-hmm. been oh, 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 the libs are so mad that he's doing this, and it's just like no, I'm mad because. Yeah. I'm saying two plus two equals four and you're saying it equals five and you're believing it. You know, that's, that's the problem I'm having. So even I even had a con um, a conversation with a lady a couple of months ago who was trying to post stuff about, Oh, listen to what Putin said about Christianity in the United States. And so all these people were attacking her, but I know her. And so I calmly just said, Hey, I'm not going to point fingers or anything, but I, I listened to it and I read it and I broke it down and she, yeah. I said, well, first off, the saying that Russia is a Christian nation, if you go to these missionary sites, you can see all these missionaries have been forced out of there. So I don't understand why <laughs> everybody is right. saying, oh, this is a Christian nation. And there are, there's actually – they can't even preach on the street after a certain time or something to that effect. Yeah. 
Um, and it's like it's not that hard to look up. They're doing that. They're doing that with Hungary. They're doing that with Hungary too right now, which is also run by a dictator, basically. And again, conservative Christians have been like, "This is what happens when you have a conservative religious person in charge." It's like it's not ideal. It's not a free place. This is a scary place if you don't agree with the guy in charge. Um, and yet. They have had a lot of conservative, like Rodri Her being one of them, who's just like promoting this stuff without criticism from his own side or very little. But that's the point. It's it's so it, if another country was treating people the way uh, our Christians treat gay people, treat women, things like that, it seems like and especially if they did it under Islam, let's say, instead mm-hmm. of Christianity, it's very easy to see what's wrong with all that. But then when it's happening here, they're just like, no, we got to ban these books from schools. We got to make sure kids with, you know, whatever it is, uh, gay parents don't have the same rights as everyone else, whatever. Yeah, and and I think this is where the mechanism of how Christianity was kind of designed. And I don't know if it was designed like this from the beginning or not, but somewhere along the way, even if it was, it got completely twisted ass backwards. (laughs) But it seems to me that with how i forgot what i was going to say it was it must not been that profound but (laughs) um the the one thing that does give me hope is that a lot of younger christians especially Mm -hmm. ones brought up in the church people you would have expected to be the vanguard of like the the evangelical future yeah are almost as critical of a lot of this stuff as people like me are um, to the point where they are way less anti-gay than their parents. I mean, they're yeah. still pretty bad, but yeah. way less so than older yeah. generations. You pick mm-hmm. your progressive policy issue. Younger evangelicals are much more likely to be on that side of the mm-hmm. fence than their parents are, which, again, just suggests that the older evangelicals have not done a good job of convincing people why you should stick with their side because again, yeah. the evidence of why they're wrong is everywhere if you're willing to look. And yeah. you can't keep kids in a bubble forever, which makes yeah. it really hard to, yeah. to convince them, indoctrinate them, whatever. Especially with social media. So I know what I was going to say now, now it came back to me. So the mechanism of how Christianity was created, and it seems like it's an easy thing to say, okay, this is my religion. But then you say, well, yeah. that's not what Jesus did. Well, how dare you question God? How dare yeah. you do that? <laughs> How dare yeah. you do like it? But they won't answer the question. They still they throw they try to throw yeah. you under the bus with how dare you question this and that. And it's like you're still not answering the question. Well, now you're repressing me. I'm, I, I'm not repressing you by asking you to yeah. answer a question that I'm genuinely curious. This about. is why I this is why I try to avoid those conversations at all, or at least if I wanted to, yeah. if someone posted like you had mentioned, if someone you knew posted mm-hmm. something insane and it's yeah. like before I wade into that and try to explain why it's wrong, the first question I want to know is, hey, if I could show you why this is wrong, is there any chance you would change your mind on this? Yeah. Because usually the answer is nope, I'm good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, nope, I'm not well, gonna waste my time. So I don't try to yeah. focus on those people. I try to yeah. focus on people who are willing to listen, who are on the yeah. fence and curious. That's well, my I, audience right there. No, yeah, I agree. Well, I think with her it was that everybody was just attacking us so i thought well maybe i'll try to do this different approach and see what happens she listened she didn't argue back with me or anything i cited everything 
that I found yeah. it. And I went out of my way to make sure that I wasn't doing any news sources because I knew that they would attack that. So I went to a bunch <laughs> of Christian missionary sources and used that. And where is she? And where did that leave off? You know, um, well, the other day she was posting stuff about the January 6th stuff that Tucker Carlson and them were posting, but it wasn't showing up on Facebook feed oh, yeah, yeah. and all that. So I know she was still there, but at ah. least I know that she respected me enough to be like, you know, thank you for your sharing, blah, blah, you know, and whatever. She sure. wasn't rude about it. At least she there, heard me. Whether she did or not, it's there's someone there is someone on Facebook I remember uh on just on my feed, someone I know who posted very similar things. And it went from a lot of people either criticizing it or trying to compassionately talk to this person about how wrong it is yeah. to the point where that person still posts crazy, insane stuff, but to the point where no one interacts with this person anymore. Mm -hmm. There's no hope. He is talking to no, an audience of like nobody, which oh, yeah. I honestly think that's the best way to handle it because he's very clearly not interested in what anyone else has to yeah. say. Um, and it's like, it's a waste of our time to try to convince this guy anything is happening. Mm -hmm. And again, this is part of the shift I've made personally too, which is going from, I want to have those debates. I want to talk this stuff. Mm -hmm. I That's why I don't buy this thing I see on the right a lot, which is debate me. Let's have a discussion about this. Let's debate these topics. Yeah. It's but you're not interested in what the other side has to say because you misrepresent them all the time. Yeah. So it's, I hate those conversations because people go into it wanting to score points, not actually change their mind. So yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't feel the need to participate in those. Yeah. I even remember when Bill, was it Bill Nye took on um, the guy who was. Oh yeah. The um, art. And Ham. The yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And I was like, I thought, just I just happened to listen to a little bit of it just to hear what happened, and I was like, "Wow, yeah. Bill! Bill actually did a really good job." And then I saw somebody who was a friend of mine go, "Oh my God, um, Bill Nye just got his butt handed to him." And I was like, "Wait, what?" Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, I will and say, I, I, I when that initially happened, my first thought is, "This is a dumb idea. Why are yeah. you?" I don't know the I don't know Bill Nye personally, but it's yeah. like, "Why are you debating him?" By the way, I heard that a lot of famous scientists who helped him prepare for that debate are also like, like what are you doing? doing yeah. Um, however, however, um, I thought he did a fine job. But mm -hmm. if you go into that thinking you're going to change Ken Ham's mind, that's mm -hmm. dumb because yes, that guy's right. entire career rests on the lie. Yes. However, right. I will tell you anecdotally, I have met more than a few people who have told me that they watched that debate as creationists thinking they wanted to watch this happen. And that actually changed their minds when oh, wow. they heard what Nye had to say, which yeah. was my reaction too. It's like, really? Okay. But I, I mean, that's, that's the benefit. So I'm not knocking debates period. Yeah. 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 Like oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But that's, that's kind of the thing. Sometimes you have these discussions. Sometimes it's worthwhile having mm -hmm. discussions on Facebook or whatever, not because you're going to change that person's mind, but maybe because someone who sees it might yeah. change theirs. And so yeah. if anyone ever emails me because they want to pick a fight, they want to have a debate. Yeah. Um, I learned this from a couple of friends. It's like, I'm not going to have this conversation with you at all. But if we do, you have to give me permission to republish everything we write because I want to attach your name to this stupidity and make it public. Yeah. And if you're not going to agree to that, I'm not having a private one-on-one -on -one yeah. Well, discussion. and that's why I, I actually rewrote my email a couple of times before I sent it to you. Because I was like, I just want to talk. I don't want to debate funny. about anything. Because I, right. I didn't want, you know, anybody, you, you were 
Jessica to think that I was just like, I want to fight. I was like, no, I just genuinely want to talk. Oh, right, right, right. And you I know? wouldn't have responded if I thought that yeah. was the intention. Yeah. But, oh, but yeah. yeah, conversation, totally fine. Oh, yeah. So going back to the nationalist thing, um, one lady who uh, gives me heartburn, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> yeah. Um, she came out very prominently here in the last few months, obviously. And she, you know, what was it? She said, uh, we need to be the party of nationalism. And I am a Christian. And I say, mm-hmm. I am proudly, I'm a Christian nationalist. So, yeah. I guess the question now becomes, how in the world do you battle that? Because the power of belief, even if it's something that, you know, on one hand, there are people who are using Christianity to do some good things. But then you, on the other hand, you've got these people who are like, they're opposite ends of the spectrum. And you've got... Here's what I'm curious to learn about. Uh, Okay. Marjorie Taylor Greene is insane. Lauren Boebert is insane. These are all people who wear the mantle of Christianity to do a lot of horrible and stupid things. Yeah. Here's what I'm curious about. There are plenty of Republicans, in theory, who believe the exact same thing I just told you. They believe that those people are insane. Yes. Virtually none of them have the guts to challenge them on any of this stuff because they don't want to upset other Christians. Yeah. Here's what's going to make a difference. And I don't see it very much. I know it happens. Like you said, there are obviously plenty of Christians who are doing good things, using their faith to do good things. How many of them have the guts to call out this stuff publicly during a sermon to their large audiences, wherever they go? Because if they don't, if they say, well, they're talking about politics, I'm going to stick to the gospel then you're a coward at that point. I'm not asking you to ignore whatever you think your religious mission is, but unless Christian allies are willing to call out the whatever Ron DeSantis is doing, unless in the name of you know Christian nationalism, whether or not he uses that phrase, but yeah. if they're not willing to say, we oppose this, we support religious freedom, mm-hmm. we support church-state separation because that is good for our religion, if they're not willing to do that, they're not helping. Yes. So, I mean, that's it's, where I'm looking to. There are yeah. always going to be insane politicians, but you, I mean, it shouldn't be up to atheists to call them out on it. We no, need right. more reporters. To yeah. We need more Christians saying this yeah. person doesn't represent my faith. And because of that, my church is going to make sure we are good allies to LGBTQ yeah. people. Here's how we are showing that in practice, because that's what Jesus would do. I mean, I need to see more churches like that. Otherwise, it's very, very easy for me to pigeonhole all Christians as the same. And I think that would upset a lot of Christians. That would be unfair. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I agree with that. And But do you think it's because, is it the atmosphere they're in? Do you feel like they feel out? Why they're not speaking out? Yeah, yeah, why they're not speaking out. Do you think that they're in a place where they're afraid they're afraid afraid. yeah they're afraid of losing their own congregations because if they came out and said donald trump is a stain on this country and anyone who supports him not saying this is how you should vote because i don't want any church doing that but saying that his policies are cruel we oppose them in this church that that is both legal to do and Mm -hmm. very few churches pastors with a platform have the guts to do that on stage, saying the attacks on trans people are wrong. Here's what we're doing as a church. If they said that stuff, 
all half their congregation or more would walk out. They would lose the money lose that the comes money. with their yeah. donations. Yeah. I was going to say, it comes They're, down to money would, at some point. It probably does in a lot of cases. Yeah. But again, it's like, well, fine, then keep your larger churches and promote bigotry. But like, don't get mad then when mm. people like me criticize all of you um, in a broad brush way, because mm. you're supposed to be at the forefront of protecting this stuff and you're not doing any of it. So again, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting yeah. for more Christians uh, especially Christians, evangelicals, especially Southern Baptist leaders. There are so few that have the guts to speak out. And, you know, kudos to those who do. There are a handful, but yeah. there need to be so many more. And they're so afraid of doing it. And they try to avoid it at all costs. I mean, a couple months ago, the head of the Southern Baptist Convention, the new elected mm -hmm. leader, like appeared on 60 Minutes to do an interview, yes. which they don't normally do. Um, but that was the whole thing. He was trying to put a good face on an institution that's been racked with like sexual assault allegations. Yeah, I remember you talking about this on the podcast. We did. And the yeah. thing is, even at that, uh, Bart Barber was the name. He was a fine representative of Southern Baptist, but mm -hmm. even he said some odious stuff during that interview about gay people, about yeah. abortion, about sexual assault. It's like, if this is the best you can do, then I think it's fair to criticize anyone who is still a member of the Southern Baptist, anyone who's still Catholic when you hear what the Catholic Church teaches on yep. a lot of these issues. Like, you can still believe in God, but you can leave your building. You can leave the institution. Yeah. So one of the big things that we really need help with is people on the inside of church calling out the extremist behavior or just the accepting of the extremist behavior and not really mm -hmm. stated against it because they're and they're you know on one hand it's like i can understand them being afraid because i've been in churches where i'm like Phew. like my first film i ever did there was an insinuated sex scene insinuated mm -hmm. if i showed you this you would laugh your ass off um how we sure. did this but half of my crew was from my church and i remember after we had the premiere um the lady got up there and was like jason and oh you guys uh, the crew stand up you guys did a great job but i noticed that half of the people weren't clapping and then later <laughs> on i got um a tongue lashing let's say from my pastor and all that at the time and i thought i had done a really great job because of this yeah but i had never been that scared before in my life when i saw all these people not clapping i was like oh boy i wasn't even trying to cause an issue but I can so I can understand yeah. being scared, but at the same time, it's kind of like we're in a kind of a perilous little bit of a time where people are being a policies are affecting everybody. And you know, there's a whole other thing that we could go and talk about abortion for another time. Well, this is but this is what organizing does though, because I'm not I don't think it's gonna be very convincing to try to ask young evangelicals to support abortion rights. I think that's a yeah. big uh big ask. Yeah, because uh, a lot of them probably don't feel that way. However, when it comes to the way they've handled sexual abuse and like what ah, constitutes yeah. the way a man should act, a woman should act, yes. these are things a lot of young evangelicals, certainly evangelical women, when it comes to the double standard we see in churches about how they treat sex between anybody, yes. like uh, the way they expect women to be. These are yep. things that fall within the parameters of evangelical Christianity that still cause a lot of harm, that it's usually not just one voice who disagrees. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing. 
if enough of those younger Christians had, I'm not asking them to stand up in the middle of a sermon and start yeah. protesting, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. they could certainly get their friends together and say, we're not going to volunteer. We're not going to participate in any church that is promoting this type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're out. And if they did it all together as a team, I mean, that's the sort of courage I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 Okay. They could do that. They could have the power to do that. They could make church very uncomfortable mm -hmm. if they had the guts to do it. But again, most of them are cowards. Most of them don't care enough to wait, take a stand on those issues, mm -hmm. on any issue. And it's like, okay, well, then or you're that... not friends of yeah. gay people or trans yeah. people or women or people who are victims of abuse. If you're not going to take a stand, I could say this about Catholics too, who are who go to a Catholic church, pay money to a Catholic institution, mm -hmm. and then act like the sexual abuse scandal is happening somewhere else. Uh, like, buddy, where do you think yeah. your tithe money is going? going. Yeah. Same deal. Like all you, if you have nothing else, you have the power of your pocketbook. Walk out of that church and keep believing in God and form your own congregation somewhere yeah. else. Like, yeah, I don't well, like that they're supporting these institutions. Because not say, you know, not what was the old adage? Um, if you silence speaks louder than words. You know, sure, if you're not sure, say, sure, sure. if you're not speaking about it, then you're still kind of not helping the situation. How many um, pastors have you heard who say, I don't talk about the culture war issues because that's not what I do here? Then you're, I mean, not you, but like yeah, the people yeah, yeah, who yeah. say that are part of the problem because other pastors are absolutely talking about it and hurting people. And if you think you are doing something noble by going to your pulpit and just avoiding the issue, very like a, a Joel Osteen sort of stance there, mm -hmm. where it's like, if I never talk about anything controversial, then everyone will love me. Yeah. Like, no, that's not how it works. You're still the person who didn't think this was worth taking a position on, which makes mm -hmm. you part of the problem. Yeah. Well, and there was a, this reminds me of a story too, with a, a gal who used to cut my hair and, and a sweet gal, sweet lady. And there was something happening in Springfield where James River Church, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, Springfield. I don't think I know that one. You, you might look that up. That was interesting. But one time, so is years ago, they were doing something about a law in Springfield that had to do with transgender stuff. I can't remember exactly yeah. what it was. But I remember the thing I do recall was they were handing out signs to all their people in the congregation to put in their yard to tell people how to vote on this issue. Mm. And I took issue mm -hmm. with that and I was talking about it and I bit, I bit my tongue cause I had some respect for this lady. You know, she was older and I didn't want to like, you know, I was pretty hot under the collar about the issue. So I didn't yeah. want to like snap at her or anything. Plus she had scissors in her hand um, <laughs> at that time. But <laughs> um, she was like, well, Jason, I have to go to church for them to tell me, who's the most godliest person to vote for. And I bit my tongue, but in my head, I was like, then you're part of the problem. You need to be able to yeah. think for yourself. And so do you think that part of the problem is, is that people are so almost brainwashed in some fashion into it that it's like, like they, people told me, Oh, you can question God and do all these things. But then whenever I did it, I would get in trouble. So do you think that there's like, right. I don't want to say brainwash. I don't know how else to say it, but yeah, and I wouldn't use that word either. However, I mean, there is something very powerful about a pastor who says, trust me, I have the, uh, I have authority. I've thought about this stuff. 
I get my job is to think about this stuff so you don't have to. And then they seem to think that they don't have to do any thinking for themselves because they've outsourced it to yeah. anyone else. And look, we all do that in some capacity in some areas of our lives. Like, I don't want to study plumbing. I want to hire a plumber who knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But again, when it comes to a lot of the problem is that pastors don't know everything. Yeah. I know that because I've seen their sermons and they spread misinformation. Mm -hmm. And then these people have already resigned themselves to saying, well, if it's said from the pulpit, it must be true. And then they go along with it. I mean, again... What good is it if they're leading you off a cliff? What good is that if they're mm -hmm. teaching you to cause harm? And what would it take for those people to change their mind? I mean, that's the one big upside to people leaving churches and leaving organized religion in large numbers over the past few mm -hmm. years, which is that fine, they're they're going to where they feel comfortable or something. And yeah. pastors are having a little less power. They're consolidating that power. Yeah. in politics and in other ways. But I mean, it, that's a dangerous thing whenever you say all my truth comes from this one area, because there are plenty of pastors who are in the news for all the wrong reasons and stuff. Yeah. And what happens when the one person who's your source of truth turns out to be breaking the law, doing something illicit or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, it happens far more often than we think. And it wouldn't as much, I don't think, if more members of those congregations had Said the something. guts to Say something yeah. and stand up for what's actually decent. And do you think, too, that it's just part like when somebody's in a leadership role like that and they get riled up, like you've seen plenty of these um, preachers on YouTube going crazy and saying the craziest stuff. And then you start to hear the people start to get a little louder as it goes along and they start yeah, to get yeah. hyped up. And it's kind of like. Is it, to me, it's almost becomes a cult like mindset. I'm not saying that they're a cult, but a cult like there are mindset. some churches. There yeah. are some churches that function like that. Most yes. don't. Most yes. don't. However, again, I mean, like you said, they they might train you to say asking questions is great. Apologetics is good. We have answers to your questions. But in practice, they don't want to hear your questions. They might say, you know, uh, whatever sins you've done in the past, it's all forgiven. And yet if a girl sleeps with someone before she's married, that's a scarlet letter on her for life. Um, I mean, these sorts of double standards are there all the time. And again, it means very little coming from me because I'm not part of that whole organization. I'm not part of those bubbles. But it means a lot more when you have pastors calling this stuff out or anyone with yeah. any kind of platform, who can speak to Christians on a regular basis, who say, by the way, if you trust me or respect me, let me tell you the stuff. I mean, honestly, a lot of the stuff I write these days mm -hmm. and yeah. talk about these days, they're very much not pro-atheism positions. I would think a lot of the stuff I do could be written by any Christian, at least yeah. the gist of it, the idea of it. Um, like, I'll give you one example, just mm -hmm. as we're recording this, there was a pastor who basically said, uh, in Oklahoma, we should be able to spank hit kids in school, mm -hmm. specifically kids with disabilities. And they were trying to get rid of that. Republicans were saying, that sounds bad. We should not allow uh, punishments like that, corporal punishment for kids with disabilities. Surely that's something we all are on board with. And it was defeated. That bill did not pass. Why? Because one of the Republicans who supported hitting kids 
with disabilities basically said, well, the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. It's in the book. Uh, and he used the Bible to justify that. Now, here's the thing. Maybe this bill will pass later on, maybe. Yeah. However, where are, that? that is firmly a Bible-based theology like that supported something cruel. What I'm curious to learn is how many churches in Oklahoma this weekend are going to denounce that sort of mindset, that sort of mm -hmm. behavior? Yeah. Or how many of them are just going to, they know about it, but they're going to be silent because they don't want to rile any feathers. They don't want to upset people in the congregation. And if the pastors in Oklahoma don't care enough to speak up about it, like, what are they doing? What sort of moral yeah. authority should do they deserve? Yeah. You know, that's, that's that's the sort of thing. I'm like, that's such an easy issue that everyone yes. should be able to get on board yeah, with. Yeah, that, has, that, that shouldn't even be. That's, that's a humanity issue, not a religious issue. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, but, a Republican co-sponsor of that bill said, I co-sponsored this bill because I figured this is going to be an easy one to pass. I get to put that on my resume. Like, I passed a bill. Um, and then he said on the floor, like, I was wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, you were, because guess who you have to work with? Other conservative Christians. Yeah. yeah. Every day, there's just <laughs> same shit, different day. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it is. Um, I, I know you have a heart out here, so I, I want to say uh, I could talk to you for hours about this stuff because I like <laughs> hearing this stuff. So, But again, I want to thank you for coming on. And before sure, we go, um, tell people again where they can listen to your podcast and read um, um, some of your um, writings. Sure. If you want to read anything I write, friendlyatheist.com is the easiest way to find it. And if you are listening in your car or something, uh, you could search for Friendly Atheist Podcast. Uh, those are the easiest ways to find me, listen to me. All that stuff is free. And uh, if you like it, hey, let me know. Thanks. Yeah. And I highly recommend it, guys. It's always enjoyable to hear you and Jessica talk about what these uh, and my favorite thing and every time is what story you're going to bring up that's going to make her shocked. Like they said, <laughs> what? You know, I, yeah. I love that. So anywho, uh, thank you again, Hemet. Um, I hope to talk to you again soon down the line and keep uh, doing the good work, man. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. And keep up the good work yourself. <laughs>